great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Back. It's Wednesday night. A lot of uh, activity uh, in free agency in the NFL in general. The, it's Happy New Year. The new official league year is here, even though it's felt like the new league year since Monday morning. Uh, he's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. This is Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, free agency day three edition. And we're going to get into all of it. Uh, the surprise. The surprising return of Jordan Poyer, who signs back with the Buffalo Bills on a two-year deal. We'll get into that. We'll get into new polarizing wide receiver, uh, <laughs> Deontay Hardy. Um, wow. I haven't seen anything like this maybe at, at all in free agency over the last couple of years. We'll get into that. Um, some stuff, a little tour around the AFC East. Josh Allen has a new backup quarterback. But first, Ryan, we got to get uh, we got to send out a uh, save the date here, right? That's right. Uh, Mark your calendars, Bills Mafia. One month from today, April 15th, we will be back at Wingnuts. Uh, Draft episode of Shout will be just a few weeks away from the 2023 NFL Draft. I think Matt and I will have a much clearer picture of where the Bills could be going, especially after all these free agent signings. So uh, mark your calendars. Be there. It's always a good time at Wingnuts. It is. I cannot wait. Um, This last show was was super packed and I know I've, I've gotten a lot of DMs and messages like oh I want to make the next one I want to make the next one so we're giving you we're planning this one a month out we're giving everybody four weeks to kind of plan figure things out it's going to be uh April 15th write it down on your schedule wing nuts 700 military road um over uh at, inside the froth brewery I mean the beers the wings Ryan every time you every time we go we leave uh full and uh happy yeah, so uh, book the babysitters, get the dog sitter, whatever you need to do so you can be at this next event. Um, speaking of some housekeeping um, items, it's been it's a huge time in uh, Syracuse.com, uh, Syracuse basketball uh, coverage. Um, they've been working on, the team has a new documentary. It's called Will to Win. Uh, it's a film from Syracuse.com on the Orange's tw- 2003 National Championship season, and it's going. It's set to premiere on March 29th at the Landmark Theater in Syracuse. So, if you live in Central New York, if you live in Syracuse, uh, huge Syracuse Orange fan. I know a bunch of people. There's a lot of crossover with the Bills. Head over to the Landmark Theater in Syracuse on March 29th get to uh, witness this documentary. I know it's been in the works for months. They've spent a lot of time working on it. The official trailer is out right now. You can go check that out over on the Syracuse.com website. Uh, it's awesome, Ryan. I don't know if you've if you've caught it yet, but I can't wait to watch uh, the documentary. Yeah, it sounds great. And obviously, if you're a Syracuse fan, uh, that was a very special year in the team's history with everything with uh, Jim Beheim leaving. I'm sure it'd be a, a great doc to go to and see and witness. Indeed. All right. Um, so let's get into the big move of the day. Jordan Poyer shifts gears, um, throws it in reverse, backs it up, 
back in Buffalo, two-year deal. The numbers aren't out yet on the deal. Uh, that's going to be really interesting to see. But uh, reportedly, uh, Cam Wolf from NFL Network said that um, basically the market just didn't materialize the way that maybe he thought it would. And he knows the team in Buffalo, the organization, knows they're still in a championship window. And he just made the decision to come back to the Bills on this two-year deal. Uh, one of the first things he did was make sure to shout out Micah Hyde, who was uh, lobbying on NFL Network's Good Morning Football last week. But Poyer's back in the mix. They they lose Tremaine Edmonds, who gives this big goodbye uh, on Instagram today. They're going to bring back uh, Jordan Poyer. Your th- initial thoughts on it, Ryan? Yeah, I, I think it's a good signing. And, man, I, I know like uh, about a week ago, you and I both saw, thought that both free agents would be leaving and walking out the door. And obviously, Edmonds getting a big money deal that the Bills couldn't match uh, made it easy for him to go. But Jordan Poyer, like you said, the, the market just didn't materialize. Mike Giardi, the NFL Network, I believe it was yesterday, said that the market was a little softer uh, than Poyer and his reps probably realized. He was linked at one point to the Raiders, and the Raiders added a safety. Uh, linked to Miami. Miami's made a plethora of moves on their own. And uh, while Miami, you know, did make a push for Jordan Poyer, he ultimately decided to come back to the Bills. Uh, He looked at the Bills, like you said, that championship windows here. He has Micah Hyde here. He has that relationship uh, with this fan base, and he wants to kind of finish the job that they've been trying to do for the past few seasons. Uh, You look at some of the deals that have been uh, had in – in free agency and outside of Jesse Bates, who, and you can check this out over at spottrack.com. They do a great job of keeping all this stuff. He signed a four year deal uh, with Atlanta. Bates did uh, 16 million average annual, uh, which is a huge number. The guaranteed money isn't in yet. But then you look down the list and, you know, the rest of the safeties, none of them really landing uh, a monstrous deal. Von Bell, um, 22 million over three years, 7.5 average. Juan Thornhill today with Cleveland, twenty-one million over three years, seven million average. Donovan Williams or Wilson, twenty-one million overall, seven million average. Jimmy Ward, six point five million average. Apps six million. So it's probably going to fall in that range. And for the Bills, this is a huge get because I think it allows you to kick the can down the road a little bit in terms of finding that replacement for Poyer. High, too, to a degree. I mean, he's coming off a very serious neck injury. It, the, the jury's still out on what that's going to look like for him next season. Is he going to be able to come back, play all the snaps, every single game? How is the the, the injury going to hold up? Those are all, you know, I think valid questions at this point. But I think what it allows you to do is deprioritize safety. I mean, really, we were sitting here before this um, Jordan Poyer news, probably seeing, like, all of these names coming off the free agent board saying – the Bills might be in a situation where they have to get aggressive and prioritize the position in the draft. Uh, now they they really don't have to do that. No, not at all. And, you know, my first mock draft right before free agency, Jim, uh, Jimmy Robinson uh, of Florida State, I had him in the third round. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe third round is still a sweet spot for the Bills when it comes to a safety if there's someone they really like in that spot. But you just said it. Now they don't have to necessarily prioritize it on day one or day two. It might just be... Uh, someone with traits that they can develop over the next few seasons. Obviously, Hyde's only under contract for one more year as of right now, Poyer for two. 
Uh, so that's what kind of makes it interesting and, and doesn't necessarily force the Bills' hand this season, but they still obviously want to get some guys in the door that they can develop in, in due time because uh, eventually one or both of them will be out the door, and, and it could be as soon as one year. Going back to your point on these contracts, these safeties outside of Jesse Bates, it's interesting because you mentioned it. most of them were signing for about $7 million on average. It's been the same thing for the a lot of these linebackers. It's been about two years, $11 million. Uh, there's, there seems to be a market in terms of like where these players are coming in at. And once that market's established, you're, you're most likely not going to get more than that unless you're an outlier, like a young safety like Jesse Bates. Uh, or a younger linebacker like Tremaine Edmonds. Once that market's established, you pretty much have a set point in place where players and, and teams kind of have to come together. Yeah, and how do you feel like looking at this defense now without Tremaine Edmonds? Like our, you know, we have a shell of it, right? Like the starters, you know, outside of Edmonds are pretty much in place. You'd, you'd think, um, you know, Kyrie Elam probably fits into that cornerback two role. If not, Dane Jackson's there, um, Christian Benford. You know, we could talk a little bit about what is the plan for Benford now? Is it still moving him to safety? Phil Lehman over on YouTube yeah. has still seen a Benford move to safety. I think it's it's really interesting. This gives you a little bit more cushion. Like if they're bringing back Dane Jackson, Tredavious White is going to be healthy from the jump. You have Caillou Elam, who you spent a first-round draft pick on. That's three cornerbacks. I almost feel like you'd it would be negligible not to try Benford at safety this like ramping up because he's going to get more reps there no matter what. I mean, you could give him that as a second team reps in, in, in practice at cornerback, but you've seen what that looks like. I don't know if the same opportunity is going to be there for him there. Then there will be at safety. And if he ends up winning that number one depth safety role, Jaquan Johnson's still available. Then it's about, okay, Poyer 32 Hyde 31. Haven't been able to stay healthy the last couple of years for 16, 17 games. Benford could be in a situation where he's asked to play and you might want to start that sooner rather than later. Yeah. Benford, I think still makes a lot of sense at safety. I wouldn't be shocked if the bills maybe slow play it. And at training camp, he's cross training between the two positions. We've seen that before with uh, some secondary members of the bills where they have him play in both spots. And eventually it gets to be more of uh, just one true spot. And I think that you said it, you know, Benford, more reps, more opportunities uh, in the short term and the long term long-term, excuse me, at safety. So I, I think that just makes a lot of sense for him. You said it, uh, these two veterans that the Bills have at, at, between Hyde and Poyer, they're both coming off the books within the next two years. Hyde's contract up next year. Uh, the reserves, you don't know where DeMar Hamlin is going to be in 2023 in terms of health. Uh, Jaquan Johnson's a free agent. Uh, they really don't have much depth back there right now. So I still think a move to safety makes more sense than not for Christian Benford. Uh, thank you so much for watching almost 200 here on a Wednesday night, late edition. We, we decided to burn the midnight oil, not really the midnight oil. It's only nine 15 at night, but you know, go a little bit later, see uh, if any uh, moves trickle in here. Uh, we'll take a spin around the AFC East at the end of the show, but I want to flip gears here for a moment and talk about this offense. Couple pieces to it. Number one, Obviously, the new wide receiver. Then I want to talk about the running back market. That's starting to heat up a little bit. And really, the receiver market, too, in general. There's some interesting maneuvers, and that can kind of be a pivot point. Let's start with uh, Deontay Hardy, uh, formerly Deontay Harris. So if you 
saw this move come across the ticker or on your social media feed and you're like hardy hardy doesn't really compute i i don't remember that name he used to go by deontay harris that was his given name he changed it to hardy in 2021 to honor his stepfather who raised him really cool story uh, i shared it on twitter you could you could read it friend of the show amy juice she was at nola.com really good piece and so um he missed most of last season, Ryan. He suffered a season-ending toe injury, played in four games. So you really have to use 2021 as that season, that sample size to really dive into. And some of the numbers, I mean, are really, really impressive. And this is a guy that brings a couple of things. Number one, speed. Number two, yards after catch uh, ability. He ranks sixth in the NFL. Uh, in 2021 in yards after the catch average, I think somewhere around 6.8 yards per reception. And that just goes to show his downfield ability. He's not a big guy. He's like six uh, or five foot six, 170 yeah. pounds. He's not going to bowl people over. He's getting though that run after the catch based on that speed. He ran a four, three, nine unofficially at his pro day. I know there's a couple numbers uh, floating around four, three, nine is the one that uh, looked the most, um, you know, verifiable, and so no matter what, you throw on the highlight tape of him, Ryan, and the speed is there, the playmaking is there, the downfield playmaking is there as well. Yeah, I mean, no matter what his 40 time was, there are sometimes players who play faster than their numbers, but if it's a 4-3, it's a 4-4, four, four, whatever it is, he plays fast as well. Uh, there, there's plenty of highlights of him getting behind defenses. There's highlights of him catching a short pass and taking it the distance. He's someone that can really help this Bills roster in terms of the yard after catch. Uh, you mentioned it, 2021, he kind of looked like he was emerging. Uh, Pro Football Focus has a metric called the yards per route run. Uh, run. It's a figure that takes into account the number of snaps. A player went into a pa pass pattern. It gives you an idea of their production, their efficiency. And he was in really good company between 2020 and 2022, despite missing most of last season with a turf toe injury. The only players ahead of him, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and A.J. Brown. Right behind him, Devontae Adams. So, again, much smaller sample size when it comes to Harris. But if, if the Bills can unlock him, can utilize him, can give him a full-time role on this offense, uh, th there's some high upside there. I, I think, Matt, when, when the contract was first announced, and, and here's, I guess, your yearly reminder, Bills Mafia, don't overreact to contract numbers when they first come out. A lot of people kind of freaked out at the overall total. Uh, his cap pit this year is $3.7 million. That's next to nothing uh, for a guy that can also return kicks and punts, uh, all pro and pro bowler in his first year in the league, despite being an undrafted free agent. He can bring that juice to you in the return game. I know they already have Naheem Hines, uh, but it gives them some versatility there too and some options. So I think it's a pretty intriguing signing, uh, an under-the-radar signing that definitely uh, most people were not expecting. The, the details of the contract, which have been reported by multiple folks, Track put out a good tweet on it, uh, breaking it all down. Um, it's a two-year, uh, $9.5 million contract with incentive money, right? And, you know, there's some different uh, roster bonuses, so on and so forth, that can escalate it up to a max value of $13.5 But you said it, $3.7 million cap hit in 2023, and it's – Ultimately, a one-year deal. If the Bills were to move on next season, he's got a 5.3 cap hit. 
the dead cap on a on a release would only be about 1.3 million. So they'd be adding 4 million back in salary cap space if they need it. And if it's it's something where you add them into the offense, it doesn't really work out. Um, the, one of the other things that people have talked about is the the issues he's had holding onto the football at times. That's all been in the kick game, actually, which is interestingly enough. <clears throat> 500 some odd snaps on offense, 300 some odd snaps on special teams. All nine of his career fumbles have come uh, in the kick and punt return game, which is interesting. I think five of them are just muffs. So I think that's gotten a little bit overblown. I tweeted this out earlier today, and I think it's it's pretty relevant. Obviously, a larger sample size for Hunter Renfro, right? Like since 2019, he's had 11 fumbles. Well, the ball's in his hands. A lot more. He has a lot more snaps, a lot more plays, especially on offense. But the point remains like, you know, sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. And the big thing for me, Deontay Hardy comes with this low cost, low risk option. Had you have traded for like a Hunter Renfro to answer the slot problem that the Bills had, you're going to be paying him $11 million and probably giving him a new contract, which is going to be higher than what he was playing on already, most likely, because a lot of times, guys that you're trading for aren't going to take less money on an extension. And then you're going to have to give up draft capital, most likely, to acquire him. So I feel like this was the the fastest line to an answer at a position of need, one with a lot of upside. And one thing that you'll notice, Ryan, if you spend your time on Twitter, you know sometimes these moves happen during free agency, and I feel like it's just like, um, depending on the move, it could be like a bunch of different firing guns at the same time like people firing out takes reactions people that are familiar with players saying things and one thing i noticed more than almost any other of the like lower tier signings the people that came out to rave about the um fit between hardy and the bills you know uh, nick underhill who covers the saints in new orleans said He's always thought there was a ton of potential with this player and thinks that it's going to be, you know, a match made in heaven in Buffalo in the offense. I mean, those kinds of things, people that are familiar with the free agent players, I look at those things a little bit more. Yeah. And, and, you know, you also have the analytic sites and I know PFF is not the be all end all, uh, but you know, PFF Steve is what he goes by on social media. He said 800 yards, 12 touchdowns is like a projection that he could see Hardy having in this Bill's offense. And again, that'd be pretty wild. It'd be, uh, a lot more than I think anyone would expect, but it comes down to fit. It comes down to talent. He turned down more guaranteed money, Hardy, that is, uh, per a source, uh, to come to Buffalo because he thought that the skill set, his skill set was a good match for this offense. He thought that he could really shine here. And by the way, Chris Trapasso, a friend of the show, just had him on our last live show at Wingnuts. Uh, he was on with Matt at the Combine. He had Hardy on one, on his like breakout team that he put together going into last season. Then obviously that turf toe injury occurred and derailed his season. But you know, the, the upside is there. He can play inside and outside. I think the bills want to get him in the slot. I saw a comment in here about him being wide receiver, wide receiver five. I, I could see him being as high as wide receiver three. If he is as good of a fit for this offense as some people believe him to be, that's not running off Khalil Shakir or Isaiah McKenzie or a draft pick that they could end up bringing in. But if he reaches that ceiling that a lot of people think he has, then the Bills could have uncovered a, a real diamond for this offense. I think uh, also somebody put it on. Uh, I put up an article. I put up five thoughts and a grade on the move. And one of the comments or the tweet replies on it was, you know, mentioning his drop percentage. And it's 
really, really low. He's really reliable with the football in his hands and in the catch, the catch game, which is to me what you're looking for. I mean, one of the biggest knocks on Gabriel Davis this season was his inability to consistently catch the football. And I thought the drop conversation probably was a bigger deal than it actually was in reality on the football team. But it's it's something that if you're going to go out and you're going to bring in a free agent player, try to add him into the mix in the offense, you're going to want to get a sure-handed guy. And I also like this idea because, you know, we talked so much about Paris Campbell over the last month yeah. or two. To me, this is probably going to end up being a more affordable option and I think one with a little bit more upside. And I know he got hurt last year, the toe injury, but like I think Paris Campbell had like multiple years of injury. So, I mean, if you were signing up for that, this to me is a little bit more of a one year. Uh, he had, he got banged up. He missed a lot of time. I don't necessarily know if that's the story on uh, Deontay Hardy. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and find out a lot of upside here. And again, the risk is super low and, when you're paying your quarterback, I know people in here, I've seen in the chat, like the we talked about it a little bit already, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, um, you know, go out and trade for Jerry Judy, right? Like those are like splash moves that, of course, you're thinking on the surface level, like that's going to change the offense. That's going to give you another big time playmaker. There's problems with that, too, though, Ryan. Number yeah. one, the money part of it. You're going to have to pay. DeAndre Hopkins makes a lot of money. You're going to have to fit that in and you're not going to be able to spend in other places to fill important needs where I think they need to throw some numbers at some positions. That's number one. And number two, are we sure that Judy's a little bit, I think Judy would fall in line to a traditional wide receiver two role much more so than DeAndre Hopkins. Can you imagine DeAndre Hopkins coming in here, just killing it the first month of the season and Stefan Diggs all of a sudden fading into a wide receiver one B or heaven forbid, a wide receiver two role like he left in Minnesota. You think that's going to fly with a guy after listening to him in this offseason? I don't think that that's the the way to go about it. No, I, I agree completely. So uh, I, I like the way that Brandon Bean's going about things so far in free agency. Uh, you know, he he's come out and said, We're, we don't have the money to take the big swings on players. We have to be smart. Uh, obviously, they have a good scouting staff. They, they believe in the analytics. They believe in the numbers. They believe in the upside. Uh, of the players they've signed, not just a uh, Hardy, obviously like a uh, Connor McGovern, a lot of these guys that they're bringing in, they, they see the upside there and, and the cat pits match what the bills can do right now. So, uh, you, you know, I have very few complaints in terms of the direction that this team is going right now. And obviously, like you said, there are still holes to fill, including one Matt potentially at running back. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Now uh, we've had some running backs go off the board here in the last few minutes alone. Uh, James Robinson, someone I mentioned, is a potential target for the Bills. He went to the Patriots, two-year, $8 million max deal uh, there. Alexander Madison just tweeted out Skull, so it looks like he's going back uh, to the Vikings, which is interesting because they wanted to bring him back. That could mean Delvin Cook is going to be out the door sooner rather than later. So right now, you know, where do you think the Bills are at with the running back? Uh, do you think that patience is kind of benefiting them? Obviously, Devin Singletary is still out there. Um, still a lot of big names available, too. Correct me if I'm wrong. Damian Harris, has he gone anywhere yet? Nope. Damian no, Harris so out there. Damian Harris. Zeke. Well, Zeke I, I will probably be should have available. mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. He's probably falling more <laughs> into the center uh, conversation, right? That was his last nap in Dallas. Yeah, right? Yeah, with Dallas. <laughs> so, I, you know, where do you, where do you see the bills going right now in terms of running back is patience going to pay off or is it just something where 
they're okay rolling with what they have right now, and they're not going to be pressed into signing anyone. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app download the app today and use code shout s-h-o-u-t for a first deposit match up to 100 again download the app today and use code shout s-h-o-u-t for a first deposit match up to 100 pick more pick less it's that easy you know i think they could get in a situation where devin singletary a market for him is so barren that you know, he's willing to come back on a one year, like two and a half million dollar deal, something in that neighborhood. And I know that, you know, we've talked about it before. I think that, you know, you've had conversations with people in his camp and I think that they probably hope for, you know, a market materializing that just really hasn't. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, Rashad Penny, he's super banged up. So that's one of the reasons he doesn't get paid. Right. But man, you get that guy on one year, $1.35 million. You get um, Raheem Mostert on a $2.8 million average uh, annual. You know, Samaj P. Ryan, listen, I, I'd make, I think you can make an argument that I'd rank P. Ryan considerably a tier ahead of Devin Singletary because of the what he offers a team in December and January, the physicality, the size. Um, at times he was almost their de facto one when Mixon was banged up or, you know, really in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, he got the, he, he was the closer for them. So I, I really like that deal. Jamal Williams is a name that we've talked a lot about. Ty Dunn reported that the bills were in the mix there. Um, he ultimately ends three years, 12 million, which too rich for my blood, man, with the, the new Orleans saints. I, I think anything over, Three million per season is you're just you're spending dollars unwisely, and I think you could throw that in a better. You can upgrade. You can maybe go after another, you know, average level offensive lineman, pay a little bit of extra money there, and then go on about your day. I mean, there's. I don't like the idea. I'm. I'm. I had some names. Obviously, we talked about Dante Foreman going into the right. free agency. I think I've really and. Bruce exclusive, Bruce Nolan, the, the leader of the no running back at any time <laughs> movement. I think I've, I've come aboard that ship. I, I think they really should just let it ride. If you want to add um, a third or fourth wave running back in free agency, fine. But if you want to roll in with, you know, Heinz and cook, and you want to see how things materialize and maybe take somebody day three or even undrafted free agent route, I, I'm fine with that too. Yeah, I'm okay with that route as well because here's what's going to happen in the draft. Some teams are going to draft a running back and then they're going to cut a veteran that maybe the Bills can then swoop in and sign that maybe is a good fit for their offense if that's the route they want to go. Uh, you know, Jamal Williams, love the personality, would have been a great culture, locker room fit. I think a lot of fans, though, were getting too, I don't want to say too obsessed, but they looked at the touchdown numbers uh, and they thought that this was like, 
going to be the next big thing if he came to Buffalo. A lot of those scores came from about one yard out, and uh, he was that goal line back, and he, he was very effective in that role. But the yards per carry was only around four yards. Uh, Singletary's been more effective there. There's a lot of guys that have been a little bit more effective as an overall runner. Uh, when the uh, Lions signed uh, David Montgomery, there was a, there was a lot of people saying, you know, this is an, an upgrade for the Lions, uh, national and local people in terms of the actual running back himself. Don't look at just one number. I, I get it. 17 touchdowns in one season is ridiculous. It's hard to do and replicate. But when they're coming from one yard out, that's a lot different than being in every down back where, uh, you know, you're scoring them from all over the field. You know, I see some comments in here. One of your uh, pre-free agency wish list guys was Dalton Reisner, a uh, guy yeah. that's still on the market. And you look at the um, market for interior offensive linemen, and it is a desert, man. I mean, you've seen Ben Powers get paid. Um, Nate Davis got a decent deal at $10 million per season. I think that was probably a little bit more than I was expecting for him. But after that, it is just... It's barren. And, you know, there's a couple of names still kind of floating out there. The Trey Turners of the world, the Dalton Reisners of the world. I mean, some interior players that I I like. I mean, uh, Wes Schweitzer, somebody that we didn't talk a lot about. I've been looking at him. His market value on spot track right now is 13.8 million. He is not getting that in this market. I mean, I I think he's going to struggle to get 10. Probably going to struggle to get eight at this point. If Reisner ends up signing a deal somewhere around the three, 26 or 325 i mean i think you could kind of come in here and get a a schweitzer somewhere around like six or seven and i think that would be an absolute steal throw another guy into the mix a depth option a starter potentially um i i I like that use of money and i i don't think you should shortchange it like go after guys bring them in and say go earn a spot there's spots to be earned i mean really there's two guard spots completely up for grabs you could sell any free agent right now that there are two guard spots that are going the competition is wide open for you could probably sell you could definitely sell a tackle that at least one spot's open yeah. so keep, <laughs> keep running it keep running it if you're Brandon Bean yeah i agree the way the market's uh shifting it's shifting in the favors of the teams uh, you mentioned Reisner, Isaac Siamalu. I might be saying that last name wrong. And from the Eagles, still out there. Uh, someone yep. that and he's a big the, ticket guy. He's he a was big supposed to be guy. a big ticket guy, and uh, someone that during the Super Bowl week I put out as a potential target for the Bills on the Super Bowl teams. Um, so he's someone to kind of keep an eye on. And you nailed that on the tackle position too. I, I mean, you look at Spencer Brown. I know Brandon Bean has a lot of faith in him, a lot of belief in him. Said, you know, he had the back surgery last year. Didn't get all, didn't play in his final season in college. There's a lot of reasons why maybe he's struggling at this point, and they still see a lot of upside there. And upside's great, but you don't want to bank on upside. You want to have a legitimate uh, competitor to that job. So hopefully the Bills can find someone at an affordable rate. Right now, you know, I, I think most markets, you can look at almost any position. It, it's definitely favoring teams right now rather than players. Tight end's been pretty slow going though, th- thus far if the Bills wanted to go that route for a tight end too. But offensive line, I agree. Attack that position with some value, guys. Um, you might be able to get some more big-ticket players at affordable rates than you could have in recent years. Indeed. Um, thank you so much for watching. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button. Subscribe to the show as well. We're reacting to... I guess it's day one of free agency because free agency yeah. technically opened today. It feels like day three, right? Because we've been we've been on the grind since Monday. 
Let's get into uh, Josh Allen has a new best bud in the uh, quarterback's room. Another buddy uh, that I'm sure that he went to Brandon Bean and uh, sold him on it. If he needed it, if he needed any selling Kyle Allen, uh, known best friend of Josh Allen. And they hang out together in the off season. If you follow them both on Instagram, uh, I believe they're significant. Others are very close. Um, just a, a guy that has spent time in this league on three different teams. Uh, Carolina was his biggest opportunity when Cam Newton went down in 19. He started 12 games for them. And actually, I thought, had a pretty decent season, all things considering. Nothing that blew you away. He's got more touchdowns career than he does interceptions, 26 to 21. He started 17 games over the course of his career. So he's got a little bit of experience. So if Allen goes down, it's a guy that not only is it somebody that is super familiar with Allen is going to be good for him in the room, but it's somebody that has trained with him, has has had all of these personal conversations with him as, as Allen has evolved into what he is in the league. And I feel like that's the kind of guy that if you, you know, you need to turn it over to somebody for any amount of time, you want somebody that's ultra familiar with the system, the vibes and what Allen does as a quarterback. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is they'll continue training together in the off season, not just in Buffalo. Uh, they're both Palmer guys. These were guys were, during the COVID uh, years, they were kind of in a house together along with Sam Darnold. So they know each other better than just about anyone, probably. So like you said, best friends. Uh, after the signing, I saw some chatter on social media about the Bill shouldn't just be signing Allen's best buddies to be quarterback two. Uh, Barkley, I know, is very close to him as well in terms of quarterback three. But this is an upgrade at backup quarterback in my position in, in terms of who they had there last year in Case Keenum. I like Case Keenum. I, I like the experience that he brought, but he was a 35-year or he is a 35-year-old quarterback, and he and he kind of looked like a a 35-year-old quarterback last year too in terms of the skill set. What he still has left uh, from what we saw from him. So I think Kyle Allen, late 20s, someone that you said more touchdowns than interceptions, can come in here be a little bit better of a fit for this team. Uh, I've been in, impressed with him when he's played. If you have to get him out there for one or two games, I think you can kind of stay afloat. With a guy like Kyle Allen, obviously, if any elite quarterback goes down this league, you usually can't depend on the backup to come in uh, and carry you. Obviously, 49ers, Brock Purdy, that's a whole different matter. But usually, your season's over if your starting quarterback goes down. But in a pinch, in a short scenario, I think Kyle Allen can be a very good number two quarterback for this Bills team. I'd also like the Bills to target somebody on the UDFA market, somebody that maybe has some traits similar to the way that Josh Allen plays like a Tyree Jackson from a couple of years ago. I really liked that approach. Somebody that you can develop over the course of the summer, just see what it looks like at the end. And if they hang around on the practice squad, fine. Uh, but to your point, I like Kyle Allen too. I think he's the perfect level of player. He's good enough to be a backup. And, and sometimes I wonder like, what are, what do people want in this situation? Right? Like, do they want like um, a Carson Wentz or a Marcus Mariota who have been, let's be honest, like all due respect, complete failures in this league. And they're bringing the stench of that with them into the locker right. room, whether it be the you know, that whether it be the failures on the field or just the attitude, like Marcus Mariota, I mean, he's just gone through it. He's gone to places where he was the starter, then he was the backup, and then asked to be the starter again, then backup. Then he went to Atlanta to be the starter. And before long, they didn't want him to be the starter again. It's like that that catches up with you after a while. And so I much would rather have the vibe check than the um, talent check. And I know that there's still, you know, um, truthers for Carson Wentz. I'm friends with one of them, Jared. Uh, um, 
my good buddy, Jared, I just saw him down in Indianapolis. You know, he, 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 I think he has a Carson Wentz jersey under his pillowcase or under the mattress. I don't know. He sleeps with it. He <laughs> loved him some Carson Wentz. And I get it. Like, you, you know, you study a guy, you, you research a guy, and you believe in what they can do. He can't do it anymore. Eh, whatever magic Carson Wentz one had, once had, it's gone. And I just think you should kind of move in a different direction. And Allen, to me, is the safest bet and way to go for Brandon Bean and Josh Allen. Yeah, and we don't have the numbers yet on Allen, to my knowledge. But uh, he's going to be significantly cheaper, too, than a Mariota, than uh, Carson mm-hmm. Wentz as a quarterback, too. And that's something you have to consider with where the bills are at. And I don't know if you're going to see a steep drop off in play. Mariota was intrigued. They're both intriguing because they were cut guys. They were guys that wouldn't count against the compensatory pick formula, which then might be out the window now that they re-signed Jordan Poyer anyways. Um, but you said it, you know, the vibe uh, Marcus Mariota last year, after he got benched in Atlanta, he left the team for a bit. Uh, he was upset with how that went down with giving the, you know, giving Rid- Riddler or Riddler the job, um, so is that someone you really want here? Obviously he would know that he has no chance of the starting job in Buffalo or in a lot of different spots, but that doesn't necessarily pass in terms of what this team is looking for, for players, um, in terms of what they want for this culture. So Kyle Allen's going to fit in just fine. He's going to be a very good and solid number two quarterback. Speaking of fitting in, I'm very interested to see where the Bills fit into this new look AFC East now that, um, it's, it's gone, undergone a facelift. I mean, there's two new Stars in the division, I think the Patriots are, as much as they can, loading up. Like, I really do like the Juju Smith-Schuster addition after losing Jacoby Myers. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But let's start on Aaron Rodgers. Does this change things for you? Like, we talked about it, I think, on Monday about, you know, maybe the Dolphins being the team that really kind of elevated uh, themselves uh, I don't want to say onto the Bills' level. They're the three-time defending AFC East champions. They have most of the same players coming back outside of maybe a Tremaine Edmonds. So I still think that they're the definitive favorite. But I think that Miami's right there. If it's if they're down a tier, it's down a tier. Are the Jets in that tier now with Aaron Rodgers? And it looks like this, this deal's going to be done? I would say they're pretty close to that tier with Miami, with Aaron Rodgers. The only problem I have with this signing is it's a very short-sighted move, Matt. Uh, honestly, anything less than the Super Bowl title, what's the point of it? And, and that sounds wild, but this is a quarterback that's probably just said he was 90% sure he was going to retire before his darkness retreat. Comes back, hears that the Packers want to trade him, and, <clears throat> and now he's kind of fired up to play uh, with the Jets, with his former offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. And, you know, listen, he's had a lot of success with Hackett, and maybe he'll have a lot of su- success with the Jets. But he also said at his uh, flag football that he, you know, tournament or competition that he had, um, you can't be an all-time great Jet if you only play for one year. So if that's what this is, if it's one year, so he's not sharing the Hall of Fame stage with Tom Brady, and he just wanted to get out there for one more year for that reason, I don't know. That kind of puts you back at square one one year from now. Maybe you get to the playoffs as a wild card team. Maybe you surprise and win the AFC East somehow, some way. But if they don't end up with a Super Bowl after this move, I just think this is a wasted opportunity for them. I get they have a really good defense. They have some really nice young playmakers. Uh, obviously, had a really good rookie class this past year. But the long-term view of it, I don't necessarily understand. Uh, what what, what them... path would you have wanted them to take? One, if, if they really were serious and if they wanted to figure out the cap, you could have signed an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson. Could you not? Could you that not? Is, that is a that is a bold 
move. No one else this, is going after him for some reason. So why wouldn't you right. like, at least try to go young and elite? I, I get cap space is a real issue. They they have some big hits on that team. They have some guys they're going to have to pay uh, in, in Waddle then, and Wilkins and. But then you're like you're really on the hook, like for that, for the foreseeable future. Like if you if you sign him to that deal, you better be sure that you have the infrastructure, the talent, the vision for your offense to support that particular player. And I just think sure. there's so much. See, that's to me is the biggest piece of this Lamar Jackson thing that's not getting enough discussion on the national level is that whoever ends up with Lamar Jackson, why the Ravens are the easiest fit and why teams like the Niners and the Dolphins, they make sense as well is because they predicate their offense around a quarterback's ability to get the ball out of their hands quickly, run a little bit, and then like, you know, get the wide receivers involved in various different ways. Sure. Utilize the tight end, all those kinds of things. I just don't know if the jets have the personnel to support, Lamar Jackson. And is, are you going to say to does Nathaniel Hackett have some great plan for a running quarterback who he just technically had and right. he basically turned Russell Wilson into some weird version of himself. I was not a high on Russell Wilson going into the Denver year, but the way he played the game this year, there was something just completely weird about it. And Aaron, or Nathaniel Hackett was at the head of it all. So I just don't know if a, a team to pay the kind of money that you're going to pay Lamar, you have to make sure that everything else is lined up. And I don't think it necessarily is it for the Jets as good as they are on paper, two to 53. Sure. And I, I saw the Dolphins in the comment section. So I started rambling about some Dolphins players, but they're going to have guys on the Jets that they're going to have to pay big money to uh, in the near future. I, I know Sauce was a, a rookie this past year, but he's already kind of proven himself as an elite member of this team. Uh, they have Garrett Wilson. Uh, they do have some talented players on both sides of the ball that eventually will have to get big money deals. But Compared to your long-term approach or future, I just feel like a guy like Lamar Jackson would put you in a better boat. Uh, or if you're looking for a stopgap, someone that's there for more than one year, and I know Tannehill's not an exciting name, but he's proven you can win with solid talent around him. You could trade for a guy like that. Uh, I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers for one year in New York is the, the route to go for them. Uh, because, uh, again, let's just say they have a nice season, Matt. They, go, they win nine, ten games. Uh, they mm -hmm. go to the playoffs. Maybe they win a game. Their draft picks aren't going to be great that upcoming year, and who knows what they're going to have to trade to get Rodgers. So maybe they won't have a lot of draft picks or valuable draft picks next year. But I just think it kind of just it's, – it's a one-year excitement move for this franchise, and, and that's all well and good. But where does it put you in 2024? Uh, at, at least with the Dolphins, I think that they're sustainably built – to be a competitor for to the Bills for the foreseeable future. Now, again, if if Tua goes down with some injuries this year, I think then they can know, okay, he's not our guy. This is not someone that we're going to commit to long-term. I know the fifth-year option was, was picked up, but we're, we're going to look for the heir apparent at that position because we have too much talent around this roster and we want to try to win a Super Bowl. The, the Jets, as much talent as they're going to have, they're going to be missing the most important position as well. Uh, but I still think that the the Dolphins are in a little bit better spot, and obviously the Bills are in the best spot of all in the AFC East, having a, a franchise QB like Josh Allen. I, I just I have trouble th going beyond this one year in my mind that this is a good signing for this Jets team. Uh, the fact that he had a wish list of demands, I, I like Alan Lazard. Um, we'll see if Randall Cobb comes in, Mercedes Lewis. Maybe they can get Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, and uh, 
Jamichael Finley, whatever is, you know, I we can go way back on some of these Packers players if we need to, if that's what is. Well, oh, dude, you see Shannon Sharp. I'm sure Sterling is still <laughs> in shape too. Oh, go geez. get him. That's even before Aaron Rodgers. But why not? Just just go yeah. into the vault. Um, go into the vault. So one thing I will say off topic, well, on topic, but off topic. I, I, I don't have the time with kids, but I would like to see, like, make my bedroom, like, dark and go in there and see how long I can make it. Like, I don't think I would make it four days. I don't know if I would make it four hours before I would just be absolutely bugging out. I don't understand. I don't understand Aaron Rodgers, the person. Like, I don't want to be um nasty about it like there's there's nasty ways i can go about it i had some takes watching him spout on for 10 minutes before he got to any semblance of a point that anybody was listening to um but it's like he comes out with the first thing that he says and says i was 90 sure that i'm retired dude i'll tell you right now and we've had this conversation before then go because guess what nothing good's coming at the other end of that like he, he was talking about like whether or not he felt like he wanted to do the work to get ready to play. Um, so that's going to change over the course of the next four weeks, four months. I mean, you go back to last off season. Remember, like he didn't want to show up for voluntary workouts. It was like all this stuff. Who knows if just the, the work ethic, the drive isn't there anymore. And I get it. Maybe he feels spited by the Packers and he didn't get to go out on his own terms. And maybe that's going to be the motivation, but I, it just doesn't feel right. So from that perspective, I agree with you. I would not take that chance on that on that guy, that player, that mess. But there's a piece of this that I don't know if I wanted to give four years to Derek Carr. I don't know if I want to give three years to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I'd rather go big with Rodgers in a one-year scenario, just throw a bunch of shit at the wall, excuse my French, and see if you know it sticks and go from there. And here's the other problem. If you're the ownership, if you're um, Woody, do you look at your general manager, Joe Douglas, and have any confidence in him having uh, in his ability to draft a quarterback this year or any other year? He's fouled twice. So right. they're just they're just between a uh, rock and a hard place. Yeah, and don't even get me started on Joe Douglas. I like the guy. I think he's a, a fine GM. But, man, the way people were singing his praises, uh, he had the easiest job in the NFL last year in the draft. Uh, he had Sauce Gardner fall into his lap at four. He had every wide receiver uh, minus Drake London available to him at <clears> 10. <throat> uh, any one of us could have made those moves that he made. Gardner should have obviously gone off the board earlier than that to Houston. They went a different route at corner. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he's okay at what he does, but he's failed at the most important position. Uh, I think that if the Jets don't have a, a great year, he could be on the hot seat going into – uh, the following season, or he might not be with this team into 2024. Um, my wife uh, chiming in here four hours, question mark about the dark room. You fall asleep before the opening credits. Of every show we watch. So listen, <laughs> this, this is a good point though. So we, we've been, we've been uh, marathoning better call Saul love the show, but every time we put it on, dude, we get three scenes in and I am just snoring. Oh. Yeah, it's brutal. Like I don't know, I don't know what it is. It, that show in particular, we were watching uh, The Last of Us, which is really good. I, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, but th- that's a little bit more up tempo. I could stay with it a little bit more. Um, she also commented in my text message that we both look exhausted, and I, I, I tell everybody all the time, free agency is one of the real 
grinds of the year because we're staying up till one. Like, you know, you go to bed usually a little bit earlier than that. And then you pick me up really early in the morning because you're up at four in the morning. So we have that gap of like three and a half hours where you know, right. nobody's watching for, for craziness to, to happen. Um, we're not anticipating a Von Miller move, but if there is a Von Miller move at midnight, you know, I, I'm going to be calling you. I'm going to be calling Joel. I'm going to be texting Owen. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. We're going to get Ryan Talbot out of bed right. and we're going to do a podcast. That's right. Yeah. Owen would probably be your best bet there. That kid has uh, the sleep schedule that I have. He's usually up around five, five thirty, And I'm like, no, back to bed. Got to go. Uh, but yeah, you, you could definitely, if there's a, a move like that to be, to be made for sure. Uh, speaking of TV shows, season three, Ted Lasso, it's out yeah. now. I haven't started it yet. Uh, I can't wait though. You haven't started the se- series? The season. The se- no, no, no. This season. I'm huge okay. Ted Lasso guy. Right. Okay. Now is the whole season out? I don't know. I haven't even looked yet. I, okay. I'm hoping this- not, but I think they, they have been releasing like the whole, and I binged like through it so quickly. So for that reason, I hope it um, saves me from myself and they do one a week or something. Um, I saw, I think um, we had a question in here. I didn't want to pass it over. Sir Nathan, uh, he mentioned uh, the BYU quarterback. Are you familiar at all with him? I have not watched uh, tape on him, but uh, Sir Nathan says Jaron Hall, uh, he thinks he might be a player with uh, Josh Allen attributes that the Bills can groom. I'll have to watch. I'll have to watch him. I I have not watched obviously because of the team that we cover. We don't really watch quarterbacks even at the top of the draft. Um, I couldn't tell you even a lot about Bryce Hall or uh, Bryce Hall and um, Will Levis and Bryce Young. Uh, Bryce Young. There you go. Bryce Hall. Who's Bryce Hall? Think of Bryce Hall. Maybe it's late, <laughs> man. We, we've been, we like I said, we've been grinding. Um, all right. Before we get out of here, I do want to touch on Myers out to Vegas and Juju in. It looks like based on Meyer's tweet that the, the Patriots didn't offer him the same amount of guarantees that they'd offered Juju Smith-Schuster, which is interesting because I, I almost wonder if Jacoby Myers is the better all-around player. I think he is at this point in the game. Um, yeah, both uh, in terms of uh, overall numbers, it's like three for 33, but I think Smith-Schuster got something like 25 or 25 and a half guaranteed at signing. Or not at signing, but 25, 25 and a half guaranteed uh, where who knows what they were offering Myers. Myers obviously did fine for himself in free agency landing uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. But yeah, I mean, some hurt feelings, I suppose, at this point where you have a market, you've been their best receiver, and, and they're not willing to pay you. Uh, Smith Schuster's a fine player. He blocks well. He's a good receiver. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, while they're making moves in New England, uh, they, they still seem to be trailing everyone else in the AFC East by a significant margin. Uh, one last thing about the, the Rodgers deal. What's going to be interesting is when is this trade going to take place um, in terms of the compensation, getting everything down? Because I was reading something about uh, if they trade Rodgers before like June 1st is the cap that they're on or the hook for elevates from like 33 something to about 40 million. So they'd be better off holding on to him until June. And and listen, he could still have workouts with his Jets receivers and things like that. But in, in terms of actually getting in there, getting into the facility, that could that could add a, an interesting wrinkle. It doesn't mean it's going to actually happen that way. But the Packers have a little bit of leverage right now if the Jets want to get this done sooner rather than later. 
AJ Sabalski in the house in the comments. What's <laughs> up, buddy? Um, yeah, Juju uh, commented here. He benefited from being the number one option after Jason or um, Travis Kelsey for sure. I mean, yeah, you know, having Mahomes as your quarterback, that is a huge deal. And now you're going into a situation. I know Parker is there, Hunter Henry. But in a lot of ways, because of the contract he just signed, the guaranteed money that they have in him, he's going to be expected to be the number one option in that offense. And I just don't know if that's Juju Smith-Schuster. And Parker, is he's just getting slower every year. I mean, he was all right last year, not great. And now you're going to be in a situation where it's, it reminds me a lot of Pittsburgh the year before he went to KC, is where it's just, you know, they needed him to be the guy, and he never really could be that without Antonio Brown. So, um AJ, I'm not going to put it on the uh, up on the screen here, but he is correct. Cane sauce is greater than Chick Fil A sauce. That is a great take, AJ. I want to make sure that I get that on record. Cane sauce greater than Chick Fil A sauce. Can you comment on that, Ryan? That's not what he put. Oh no, no, Ryan, that is what he put. You don't have to comment on what he put. <laughs> I don't, you don't need to comment on what he put. I I'm like both, your... but I do prefer Chick Fil A. Ryan, I like both though. I do. But I like Chick Fil A more. Oh my gosh, this is this is a lot. This is a lot to deal. So you're a big uh, honey mustard guy. I, I take it. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. I actually have the Chick Fil A sauce in my fridge. I, I have buy it oh my in the gosh. store. Yeah, I like the Chick Fil A sauce. Don't get me wrong. I just think I would literally drive three hours for some cane sauce. And also, I don't really have to because um, there's a place in town. It's called Frank's gourmet hot dogs right so you see that place driving by you're like ah hot dogs like we got like a place in town it's called ted's i don't know i I, i'm i'm 40 years old now i think it's a little childish to go out to dinner for hot dogs i don't know but anyway i took the kids there sometime is that it we've got the the train train. we've got the train late night staple staple of the show dude the 10 p.m train is it hits different (laughs) um so but I went in there and and met the owner and and sampled the food. Their chicken tenders and their chicken sandwich, they're just so bomb. And they have this thing that's called fr- French fry sauce, but it tastes just like cane sauce. That's probably the same mm. recipe. Like it's ketchup, mayo, whatever else they put in it. It's delicious. And so um, I'm, I'm standing on that. Cane sauce greater than Chick-fil-A sauce. April 15th, put it in your calendar. Save the date. We return to Wingnuts. It is going to be a monster show. Obviously, NFL draft oriented. Um, we're gonna have probably some big announcement at that uh, at that thing too. Get out there! I want to see all the hordes of shout fans. We see you guys in this uh, in the comments section every Wednesday night. All the shows that we do, come on out. Giving you guys all a month notice. Come hang out with us. We'll talk uh, bills. We'll drink some beers. We'll eat some chicken wings. It is gonna be amazing. Wingnut Seven Hundred Military Road. Final thought, uh, Ryan Talbot. Yeah, final thought, Bills Mafia. Keep those uh, alerts on your phone. It, it's going to be fun for the next few days and weeks as the, the first wave ends and the second wave and third wave begin. Uh, Brandon Bean, I'm sure, will be making some more moves in the near future, whether it's guys currently on the roster. I see maybe a Daquan uh, extension, Tyler Bass, McKenzie moves. Who knows? But uh, between guys on their own roster and some free agent moves to come, it's still an exciting time if you're a Bills fan. All right, everybody. Uh, if anything happens over the next couple of days, we'll be right back here uh, talking about it. For Ryan, I'm Matt. See you soon.